0: i say this serious scripture with me from 2 Timothy 1, 7. God has not given us us a spirit of fear, fear, but of power power, and of love and of of a sound mind. Aren't you glad for that? The spirit that we have is a spirit that, of course, produces power and love and right thinking. But if we're going to have really in our lives no fear here, and how many say that's your goal, that's your decision? then you're going to have to deal ruthlessly with any fear that's in your life, and particularly the ones that we don't seem to care that much about. And of course that video is called Worst Case Scenario. I'm going to talk to you today about the, the worst fear of all. And the most dangerous and the worst fear of all is a fear called worry. And you say, why is that the case? Well, after we talk about the nature in a minute, you'll see how, how really diabolical it is. But the reason it's so dangerous is because it's ignored, excused, or rationalized. Even Christians will make fun of it. Well, I'm just such a worry board as if it's no big deal. The first thing you need to understand about worry is worry is a manifestation of fear. So if you're not afraid of heights or afraid to fly or afraid to swim or, you know, there's not some torment in your life going on, some other kind of anxiety, but you spend time every day worrying, you're actually living in fear and you don't realize it. The danger with worry as a fear is it's not just as jokingly said about a gateway craft working with string. Worry is a gateway fear. And it will open up the door to all kinds of things in your life that you really don't want. You know, worse means the most or serious or severe. And we'll talk about why it's the worst or why it's the most severe. But I want to remind you that all you have to do is make up your mind to live outside of fear, and you can. The decision of a believer is a very powerful thing. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from some of my fears. How many fears? All. A-double-L spells all. Say all fears. He delivered me from all of my fears. Well, the problem with that is if you as a Christian really don't see worry as a fear or have revelation on that, and I can't help you with that. That's the Holy Spirit's department. If you don't see it as a fear, then you can't walk around saying he's delivered me from all of my fears. I tell you, I believe today the Lord wants to deliver you from all your fears, including worry. Well, how am I supposed to act if I can't worry? How about walking in faith? How about remembering this simple principle that if I am plugged into faith, I unplug from fear. But if I plug into fear of any kind, I unplug from faith. So what am I doing? While I'm in worry, I'm not producing anything. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without worry. No, it's impossible to please God without faith. And so in the season that I am in worry, I'm not in active faith. If I spend five hours in worry, those are five hours I'm not in faith. You can't be in worry and faith at the same time. You can't be in a place of victory and be in a place of fear, worry, at the same time. And for that period of time that I'm worrying every day, an hour, two hours, every five minutes, that's not pleasing to the Lord. Say it with me. Worry Worry. is not not pleasing pleasing to the Lord. You say, well, people in the world do this. Like, people are people, and they just worry, Pastor. People do a lot of things that we shouldn't endorse. People shack up. Should we say, people shack up so we should just accept it? I mean, people get fall down drunk. Should we accept that? People steal and kill. Should we accept that? Of course not. The problem is if you don't see something as wrong as the child of God, you'll never address it as wrong. And, and worry, because it is so accepted, because it is so, you know, excused and rationalized in the body of Christ, it does things to the people in the body of Christ. Often they don't even know what's going on. They don't know why they're defeated. They don't know why they're not living their best life. They don't know why they're not seeing the great breakthroughs. And it's because of latent fears like worry. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, twenty four 24 through 27. He said, so I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because their Heavenly Father feeds them. Birds don't have a pantry. And yet what? They're fed every single day. Are you not more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? The answer to that question is, of course not. One translation says, add an hour to your life. Another translation says, you know, add something to your stature. Well, it doesn't do that. It has no power to do that. In fact, it's, it's basically wasted, except worry's not wasted to the devil, worry's productive for the devil. Matthew 6, 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own, or sufficient unto the day is the trouble thereof. From the King James Version, you might have read it that way. The bottom line is there's a direct command from the Master not to worry. So if the Master says, Thou shalt not kill, and you kill, you're violating a direct command of God. But if he says, don't worry, then, uh oh, well, you know, gee, golly, you know, everybody worries. You've got to stop having attitudes towards things like that and take upon the mindset that the Scripture gives you and say, he said, don't worry, so I shouldn't do it. Well, pastor, people can't not worry. They're just people. Listen, Jesus never gives you a command that you can't do. And furthermore, he never gives you a command without the power to do it. So if he said, don't worry, he will enable you to what? To do something else instead. And that is to walk in faith instead of worrying all your life. Let's talk a little bit more about the nature of of worry. Because time spent in worry is time spent out of faith and out of his pleasure. Say that with me. Time spent in worry. Come on, everybody. Time spent in worry is time spent out of faith and out of his pleasure. Now, he's not going to come down and visit you in your room and say, I'm displeased with you. You just need to know what the scripture says. He is not pleased by believers walking in worry. Worry is perpetual and sustained unbelief. So the whole time you're worrying, you're in unbelief. Does that sound like something we're called to? No, it's perpetual and sustained unbelief. Worry is fearful and fretful meditation. Fretful refers to its corrosive nature. It can corrode our confidence. It can corrode our peace. It can corrode the good things God's trying to do in our lives. But it is fearful meditation. What are we supposed to be meditating upon? Meditate day and night upon the Word, not the worries that may try to come against your mind and against your heart. Worry is disquieted uneasiness of mind or anxious apprehension over an anticipated situation. Oftentimes those situations we anticipate never even materialize, but that's not the point. Whether they do or not, you and I should not be in worry about them. Say it with me, I'm a faith person. person. Say it with me, I'm I'm a faith person. We're called to believe, aren't we, church? Worry is a form of humanistic self-orientation that says it's up to me to take care of this situation. Amen? It's humanistic. It's prideful. I don't need to go to God with this. I'll just worry until I find a solution and then I'll fix it. Do you know that you are your least inspired when you're worried? Your revelation level is never so low as when you're worried. Your peace is never so low as when you're worried. These things are not producing for you so why do we do them? It's called habit. If, if Tuesday night I put everybody in the church in Murray, Kentucky, that's called call themselves believers, if I put everybody in the CR meeting who has a habit, a life-controlling problem called worry, every seat in the house plus the balcony will be filled, they would be hanging from the rafters. And yet because it's not Coke or crack or marijuana, because it's not heroin, because it's not a sex addiction, we just look at it and go, no big deal. Look at somebody and tell them it is a big deal. I would say this to the average Christian who doesn't have some full-blown addiction of some kind: to the average Christian, worry is doing more to diminish your victory and the life that God has for you than anything else. And it's just kind of patted on the head. Say, well, you know, it's not that bad. Listen, anything that's robbing you of God's best is bad. That's right. Anything that you're doing, Jesus said, don't do. Is what? Is bad. It is a sin. Worry is a form of demonstration of, of, of our humanism, of, of pride in our lives. I mean, you know that God will help you. You don't have to fix everything. That's right. Amen. Worry is uh, from the Greek maritzo, and it means basically the, the combination of two words. And when you understand these two words, it means to divide the mind. Say it with me, to divide the mind. Say it again, to divide... The mind. And what does James 1.8 tell us? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So watch this. You say, sometimes demonstrably, we know we're double-minded about something, right? But when it comes to worry, we don't equate that with that scripture. But when you are worried, your mind is divided. In other words, the person that is worried is by nature a double-minded man. Now, let not that man think he's going to what? Receive anything from the Lord. Because one moment we believe, one moment we're worried. One moment we believe, one moment we're worried. For a season we trust God, for a season we don't because we're worried. We're not going to receive anything. What we need to see is take this scripture to its natural conclusion here and and tell yourself that if you're worried in life, you're double-minded. And if you're double-minded, you're unstable. Not all the unstable are over there in Hopkinsville, Western State. I was raised in southern Illinois, so the hospital that everybody was sent to was in Anna, Illinois. But not everybody is in a hospital that's unstable. Some of you may have asked, God, why, why, why is life so unstable? Why am I unstable? Why am I going through this? You know, Why does it seem like nothing's working out? A double-minded man, Is what? Unstable in all of his ways. ways. So worry affects what? All of your ways. Worry affects every aspect of your life. There's nothing good that's produced by worry. Amen. You know, there's a move right now throughout the, you know, progressive body of Christ. And that's another word for scrap the word of God and do it our own way to even deny the existence of a hell or a devil. Now, if you're the devil, that works for you. I mean, when a preacher says, well, there is no hell and there is no devil, the devil amens. And if you listen carefully, you can hear him amen. Yeah, preach it again, praise That's right, there's no devil. Well, then how are you amening me if there's no devil? Wow. And if something doesn't really exist in our thinking, you know, then we don't see it as a threat. But the reality is this is causing more instability in people's lives than anything in the body of Christ. You don't have to be a crack addict to be unstable. You don't have to have bipolar to be unstable. You don't have to have schizophrenia to be unstable. All you have to do is be a Christian every other way you seem healthy, whole, and sound. Amen. But if you are a a worried person, you're double-minded. Amen. If I were mean, I would just close the service right now and leave you with that thought. Amen. (laughs) But I want to see you get victory over it to teach you how to overcome this thing. Because if it's not one thing, it's the other. Amen. I just want life to go back to normal. Darling, there was no normal to begin with. And life in the end times is not going to be normal. If you don't believe there are demons, then look at your TV when you see a picture of Putin. There is a demon-infested man. You don't live in a vacuum here. It's the same demon that was on Pol Pot, the same demon that was on Lenin, the same demon that was on Hitler, same demon through history. He always looks for a host. And as Putin raised a glass of vodka, amen, he said, welcome, devil, and there you have it. You can't do anything about what people are going to do in these last days. You have the choice to walk with God or not, but you have everything to say about whether you're going to be worried or not. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm looking at these Ukrainian people and I'm going, what are these people drinking? What are they smoking that they're so calm and fearless and bold? And even though they're threatened, they're not operating in worry. I mean, when I see a man drive up in his truck next to a tank that's stalled and ask them, can I tow you back to Russia? (laughs) They have no firepower to blow him into the next century. Can I tow you? I love the grandma that walked up to some of those soldiers and said, here, I want you to take these sunflower seeds and put them in your pocket. And they said, why is that? When you die, something beautiful will grow up out of the grave. These are some pretty bold people. I saw a film clip of a man with a javelin. Javelins for basically tanks and armor and stuff like that, and we sent thousands of those over there. But this man's walking around. There's like two or three tanks that have already been blown up, and he's just looking for another tank. In the meantime, these people are firing at him from every direction. He's just walking, just looking, just hunting, like he's going deer hunting in Kentucky. <laughs> Tyler said he saw somebody look like they had picked up a mine. Ukraine just picked up a mine like it was nothing. I mean, what's on these people that they can function this way? I'll tell you what's on them right now. It's it's the prayers of millions of Christians who instead of standing back and watching this happen, are interceding for them? And this should have been over in 24 hours. Even our own analysts said it won't take longer than three days. Well, this is the 11th day. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And this aggression will not stand. This is an ungodly, cowardly act. And it's amazing how, and I'm sure there's all kinds of thoughts and feelings they have, but as far as their behavior and their spirit, these people aren't acting like a bunch of worried folks cowering in fear. The equivalent of the Miss America is on the front line right now. The Ukrainian National Beauty Contest winner from like 2017 or 16 is on the front line. Don't tell me ladies can't shoot. All I got to say is if they're on the other side of her, they better duck. Because she said if I see a Russian that's armed, I'm going to shoot him. Amen. 81-year-old man walking around. Hallelujah. Came out of this World War II situation, you know, saw a lot of devastation as a kid, walking around with a shotgun. (laughs) What's he going to do with a shotgun compared to automatic? He didn't care. He goes, you see this gun? Yeah. And the reporter says, yeah. He goes, I see a Russian. I'm going to shoot him. What could possibly be operating in their life? You don't see fear there. You understand what I'm saying to you? Something has risen and they are a good example from the present on down of how to face severe adversity and horrible situation. Amen? Look at somebody and tell them, if they can do it, I can do it. I ask you, has your apartment building been burned down your house been destroyed? Has your workplace been destroyed? No. You and I should be able to handle the worries over here. If they can handle the worries over there. Are you here today? How am you praying for them? I said, how many are you praying for them? Praying the Holy Ghost all the time. Lift them up, amen. Keep them in prayer. Worry divides the mind it splits the energy between today's problems and tomorrow's situations. Part of the mind is in the now and part of it is in the not yet and you and I can't live that way. We need to be living where? Right now. The word for worry in German, means to strangle or to choke. It chokes the joy and the peace and the faith and the victory right out of your life. Look at somebody and go, you and I were not designed to be living choked. And let me say it again before we move into why it's the worst kind of a fear. Worry is a sin. Say it with me. Worry is a sin. Say again. Worry is a sin. Everybody shout it out. Worry is a sin. You need to judge it as a sin and walk in victory over this fear in your life. Amen. Why is it the worst form of fear? Well, it's the most prevalent form of fear. If you don't believe that, go back to when COVID broke out and you went to Kroger and there wasn't even a single piece of toilet paper on the shelf. The great toilet paper run is the big story of COVID because it reveals something in the American people. Oh, dear God, I'm not going to have any toilet paper. When they should have been thinking, well, that's fine if I don't have anything to clean up with, but maybe I should be concerned about what to eat. You would think that the baskets would be filled with food. About five boxes from Sam's toilet paper. Amen? I pray these people have toilet paper until the new millennium. Bless their hearts, just. Is it prevalent? Yeah. You can't let yourself live that way, but a lot of people do. Worry is the most accepted form of fear, even in the church. You know, the poison you drink is the poison that will kill you. Worry is the most habitual form of fear. It's a life-controlling problem. We're addicted to it. It's something that's sustained in our lives over time. Some of you have been doing this all your life. Amen. Some of you get up in the morning and say, I don't have anything to worry about. I need to find something to worry about. (laughs) Worry is the most subtle form of fear. Many don't realize they're caught up in it. Worry is the most destructive form of fear because it opens the door to other fears and demonic activity. You yield to any kind of fear, and you are going to be demonized more than you've ever been in your life. Now, the good news about this message is those in this room that have been living this way, you're about to go home in peace. Because the Holy Ghost has identified the thing that's been robbing you of your peace and your victory. You've been asking, you've been praying, God show me what is is holding me back for a lot of people. It's worry. Do you know that you can believe in the same amount of time that you're worried? Yes, you can. Well, what are the consequences of this? I just want you to jot these down and meditate on these. I want to talk to you about overcoming your worry. Say it, I'm an overcomer. And then what we're going to do? We're going to go to the Lord's table and take communion over this issue. Say it with me. No fear here. No fear. See, no fear here is a lie confession if you're, if you're worried. So, First of all, it postpones your breakthrough. I don't know about you, but I don't want my breakthrough postponed. If I'm needing a healing or a victory, or if I'm needing deliverance or a financial breakthrough, I don't want it postponed because of worry. Well, I thought I'd help it along a little bit. No, you're not helping your breakthrough. You're hindering your breakthrough. Number two, it attracts the thing you worry about. If you don't believe that, ask Job, that which I feared. Has come upon me. And if you'll read the story carefully, you're talking about the fear manifested as worry. I'm worried my kids are going to do something stupid. I'm going to have to sacrifice for them again and again and again and again. How do you understand there's only so much you can do as a friend, as a parent, as someone that you love? You can only do so much if they won't do what they're supposed to do. And what he feared, what? You could say it like this what he worried about all the time came upon him. You attract things into your life when you worry. Don't be that person. Number three, it saps your strength by stealing your joy. The joy of the Lord is what? What is it? It's your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. When you're in worry, it's sapping you of your strength. Next, it brings about no change in the situation. Worry doesn't do anything. It's just a 100% waste of your time. It brings about no change. Number five, it pushes you to see man as your source. God has never ordained man to be your source. God can use man, but God is your source. You remember when the prophet was sent to the brook, God took care of the man of God with the water and with the birds. When that dried up, he sent him to a widow. Sounds logical, doesn't it? God always has a way of taking care of you, regardless of the circumstances. Number six, it dominates your confession. When you worry all the time, that's what you're going to be talking about. In fact, you'll be muttering your worry all the time, and you won't even know why. Why? It's because deep in your heart, there's this fear manifesting, and your confession begins to be overtaken by whatever's in your heart. How many you believe, as Scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If the heart is filled with worry, then worry is going to come out. Last, worry will cause you to react rather than respond in faith. And can I help you out here? This is not a time for you and for me to be reacting. Amen. We need to respond faithfully, diligently, you know, in peace as the Spirit of God directs us. Amen. And I have been meditating on, on Jehoshaphat now for, for several days when this war first started. Because the thing that comes to my mind is, uh, you know, Russian army is, is, is not as well equipped as they could be. They're not as well trained and disciplined as they could be. But they are a force to be dealt with, particularly with a, a neighbor like, like Ukraine. So what do you do when something so overwhelmingly is coming against you, whether it's a war machine or something else? You know, the story of Jehoshaphat tells us in very simple principles how you and I can live above that worry and what that will do to bring victory in your life if you'll take the heart. One of the things, of course, I love all of what the Word of God says. I love the New Testament. I love the plain revelation that it teaches. But you know the Old Testament teaches principles that will bring you victory if you'll apply them to your life. If you'll do what they did, you will get what they get. If you'll apply these things to your life, you'll see similar results in your own life. And so what was happening here was this, Settling down, of course, in their, in their land. And there had been quite a, an uh, you know, eye-opening period for Jehoshaphat and others where they were tearing down astral poles and dealing with idolatry. But it says in verse 1 of Second Chronicles 20, if you want to go there, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Midianites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Sounds like the Three Stooges here. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is in En Gedi. You see this? Reality. For Ukrainians today, guess what? It's reality. They're there. Other nations right now, like Georgia, where Russia's already made an incursion in past years, or Moldova, who is not a part of NATO, are now also threatened, as are NATO allies like Romania and Poland and Finland and Sweden. The other day, the Russians flew uh, military jets fighters into Swedish airspace with no provocation. Why? Because the Swedes were talking about joining NATO and Finland was talking about joining NATO. It should now be clear to you that Ukraine is not his end goal. And it should also be clear to you as thinking, believing, spiritual Christians in this nation say, that's one—that's what I am. That there is no way for the United States to stay out of this. And people that tell you are lying to you, they are not discerning the times and the seasons. And anybody that you know, follows a path of appeasement, the longer that goes, the more difficult it's going to be. Say, They're not in the EU, they're not this, they're not NATO. Listen, it's not about NATO or not NATO. France wasn't in NATO when we went over there on D-Day. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This is about right and wrong. Let me say it again, it's about right and wrong. And that's why you should be praying for our leaders like you never have before. How to deal with a thug, how to deal with this bully, who wants to restore what he calls the glory days of the Soviet Union. They never had glory days. They were always pit days. You want to have glory days? Turn your whole nation over to Jesus Christ. You'll have glory days. That's how to have glory days. But he wants to build. He is a neo-Bolshevik. He's a neo-communist. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Who wants to restore those territories and that power. And Ukraine is just a pawn. So whether it is the Ukrainians or other nations or what ends up happening with our country in this situation, to whom much is given? Have we been given much? Yes, we have. Regardless, you and I are going to have to learn some things from Scripture how not to go into a panic mode and worry mode When you hear these things, Jesus told us there would be wars and rumors of wars, pestilences and famine, earthquakes in various places. Have we not seen all this? You know, people look at this situation and go, oh, dear Jesus, you know, nuclear war and our involvement and our friends in Europe, what's going to happen? You know what I see? I see Jesus is coming back soon. Amen. I see he's coming back. He's going to wrap this thing up. So you need to be digging in further than you ever have into the word, into your faith, amen, into your walk with God. That's where the peace is. Well, what's gonna happen? Well, what happened to the Israelis when they were in Egypt? There was darkness in the land of Egypt, but there was light in Goshen. Amen. amen. So as you think about this, yeah, it's easy just to read this, oh poor Jehoshaphat. I'm, I'm glad they got out of that. Well, Kind of put yourself in the middle of the situation by mentally putting yourself in the situation of the Ukrainians right now and see this vast army as a reality and how they responded to it is a great lesson for you and for me. Read with me in uh, verse 3 of the same chapter. I'm going to read a a chunk of scripture here for you. Alarmed, everybody say alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from uh, every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Can I have an amen? Amen. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether by the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are these men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. And how they are now repaying us, this, this carefully, to drive us out of the possession you gave to our inherit, as our inheritance, O oh, our Lord, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but what? But our eyes are on you. And all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. What does it teach us? You're going to overcome worry, first of all, with prayer. Not talking about prayer, not preaching about prayer, not thinking about prayer, but what? Praying. Like Jehoshaphat, you've got to go from, I'm alarmed to prayer very quickly. And that's what he did. Because worry is unproductive. Prayer puts your eyes on God instead of the problem. Prayer puts your eyes on God instead of the issues or the threat you're facing. When you stand before the Lord, you stand against fear. And they're united in their prayer. One of the things that's happened, not just in Ukraine, but all over the world... People are standing up and they're protesting this. But one of the things that's happened is people are going to the Lord. And there are unexplained things happening over there. You know, I don't know about you, but if somebody handed me a javelin missile and gave me five minutes of training, I don't think I can knock out a helicopter from the sky. But that's exactly what happened yesterday. There are issues where the bullets aren't hitting them and lightning in the sky is redirecting missiles and all kinds of things that nobody can explain. I can explain it, but God. Amen. Amen. Come on, say it, but God. God. Say it again, but God. God. That tells me we ought to pray all the more. Listen to this from message. Paul's writing in Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, Pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Turn to somebody and say, he needs to settle you down. Settle down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. How does he do that? He does it with prayer. Say it with me, from alarmed to prayer in record time. If we would do that, the peace that we would enjoy, the victory we would have, amen, we'd set ourselves up and prepare ourselves to hear from heaven. Say it with me, alarmed to prayer quickly. You know what a lot of Christians do? Alarmed, worry, fretful, fearful. Well, I guess we should pray. No, you go from alarm to what? Prayer. To prayer quickly. Quickly hit that place of prayer. Read on with me in the, verse 14. Aren't you thankful for the word left for us? Yes. On the heels of this prayer decision, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all you live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Don't worry. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. March towards them. Really? They'll be climbing up by the passes. of Ziz and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jericho. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stay firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Look at somebody and say, don't worry. Don't worry. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord, what? Will be with you. Now, do they still have to go out? Yes. Do they still have to go out in faith? Yes. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and said, well, you're not prophet so-and-so, so I don't receive this. No. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down to worship before the Lord. Then some Levites and the and Korathites stood up and praised the Lord the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. When your word, and you want to overcome it, overcome it with prayer. Number two, overcome it with prophecy. Now in this case, they got a word in real time from the Lord for the situation. How many of you know God can do that right now for President Zelensky and those that are involved in this? Yes, and for our leadership as well. But every single day when you're reading the word, you have the opportunity to receive that word from the Lord. You went from alarm to prayer, and now you're in a position to actually hear from God. No fasting, no prayer, that prophecy would have never come up. Are you here today? No seeking God, the Word never would have been delivered to them. But they did. And you and I need to listen for the Word of the Lord on that matter. Find the place where it is written in Scripture that addresses your need or situation. And then when you find it, what? Do it. The word was, "It's the Lord's battle, but you're going to have to go up and go where we tell you to go. In other words, do what it says. Listen carefully to what the Scripture says. And read verse 20. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa, and as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God. Have what? Have faith. You can't be worried and in faith at the same time. You can't be in fear and faith at the same time. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will what? You will be successful. The implication is, worry, you'll be defeated. Have confidence in God and his word and what the prophets have said, and you will what? You will be prosperous. You will succeed in that situation. Can you see how amazing this is? What kind of people get their marching orders and get their wisdom like this? God's people. Say it with me, God's people. people. Other people may go to other sources. They may read other books. But God's people go to God in prayer and they wait to hear the word of the Lord. And when the word of wisdom comes, they do what God said. And if they do what God said, they're going to get what? What God promised. Amen. Say it with me. I need to pray. And I need the prophetic. Thank God you have the Bible in your lap or on an app. Amen? It's in a lap or in the app. The at least you got it. Glory to God. Read on with me. Verse 21, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing, in, uh, sing to the Lord and to praise His name for the splendor of His holiness. And as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. I'm not a military strategist or a military man, but my first thought in the middle of a war is not to put a praise team in front of the army. Amen. Can't you just see it? I mean, we'll just, you know, we'll just get Heather and and get Kelly. Hallelujah. Glory to God and all of our other brothers and sisters that sing. Amen. Get Get Bryce up there with the piano. Hallelujah. Put a little Kentucky Flair. Get a guy with a banjo just in case. Amen. You never know. You might need that. And they're going to sing in praise in front of the military. That'll work. Amen. The wisdom of the Lord will always confound the wisdom of this world. It's foolishness to them. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the church choir in front of the military column as they began to sing and praise the Lord, set ambushes against the, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. What did the praise do? It attracted the invaders. Watch this. It attracted the invading army. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finish slaughtering their men from Syria, they help to destroy one another. Watch this. Say it with me. Worry is overcome with prayer and prophecy and praise. How can you overcome worry in your life? You have prayed. You received the word of the Lord. Amen. You have honored. You believe it. You do what you're told and you begin to praise Him like you never have before, it catches the attention of the enemy. Psalms 8 tells us that praise is anointed on the lips of infants and children to silence the foe and the avenger. Now, an ambush is not uh, valuable unless the invading army is walking into it. The praise attracted the enemy and supernatural beings, you and I know as angels, were on either side. When they began to attack, those armies began to think, we're, they're attacking each other. We're, these guys are fighting against us. And they began to what? Return the volley. And then the angels just sat back like this. What happened was praise precipitated the ambush and the victory of the people of God. It doesn't make any difference what you're going through right now. Praise is more powerful than what you're dealing with. Praise is more powerful than the worst possible situation that you can find yourself in. Praise is more powerful than that financial problem. Praise is more powerful than that situation with your body. Praise is more powerful than that relational issue. You need to pray, receive the word of the Lord, and praise like you never had before. Turn to somebody and tell them, get your praise on. Come on, tell them, get your praise on. Now, God is no respecter of persons. If the prayer and the prophetic and praise work for Jehoshaphat, it'll work for any covenant person. Amen. But you have to make up your mind that worry is not permitted in your life and then begin using use the supernatural tools to defeat it. So the first sign of worry in your life, what do you do? Pray. And then what do you do? Listen for the word of the Lord. Then what do you do? Praise. What if it comes back? Start all over again. As long as you're on this planet, you're going to have to deal with the forces and the influences of the enemy, you're going to have to shore up your ability to apply to the supernatural weapons God has given you. Say it with me. When I'm alarmed, I go quickly into prayer. I receive the prophetic word for that situation. I then get my praise on. Amen. Glory to God. Praise activated supernatural angelic forces to defeat the enemy. Not only were they defeated, the Bible says they plundered the enemy. It took three days to carry everything back that they plundered from the enemy. Are you here? The praise attracted the enemy and then they were defeated because of the praise. Watch this. Prayer will lead to a word from the Lord. And a word from the Lord will lead to praise, and praise will lead you to victory. Every single time. In Exodus 14, Moses told the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the Lord's salvation, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And literally and spiritually, they never saw those Egyptians again. Won't it be wonderful to walk out of here without the bondage of worry on your life? You're watching online and that's your life. That's how you've lived all your days. Well, that's not God's best for you. Say it with me. Worry is a sin. Worry is a habit. Worry is destructive. Worry is the worst fear. But the Word of God... Shows me how to overcome it. Amen. So no more joking about being a worry wart. Amen. Because you have no idea what the enemy is doing when you leave that window open. Amen. Glory to God. I want you to stand to your feet and get your praise on right now. Amen. Can you do that? Come on, let's praise him. Let's bless him.